Welcome to the Community Feedback Loop, a weekly podcast about sharing conversations between people in gaming and esports focused on community, public relations, and how we communicate in the video game industry. I'm Bob Holtzman, the host for the show. I've worked in games since 2007 and founded Co-op Mode Communications, a consultancy that offers public relations for games as a service and the communities who support them. Follow Co-op Mode Communications on LinkedIn. You can connect with me via the links in the episode's description. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Drop a follow on Spotify. Please support the show if you like what we're doing. And on that, let's throw it to our interview. All right. Well, welcome everybody to the Community Feedback Loop. I'm very excited about today's show. Um, I first met our guest while I was working at Riot Games and was exploring the high school esports space. Uh, since then, he has been one of the, the real founders and pioneers uh, in high school esports, helping Illinois build out its high school esports scene on the state level and is a founding board member of the Illinois High School Esports Association. Uh, thank you so much for joining us on the Community Feedback Loop. It's, it's nice to introduce Todd McFarland. Uh, thank you very much. Thank you. Yeah. So, Todd, as I said, we met. Uh, gosh, it's been probably about four or five years, and we were at Robert Morris University. You were running a high school esports event, and uh, I remember just being blown away because uh, at the time it it just it it didn't seem real. You know, sitting in California at the Riot office, I would talk to people about this all the time. Hey, like this high school esports is going to be a thing. Like we should really understand it. Tell me your perspective. You know, when you think back. You had done a couple events. It wasn't like that was the first event ever done. But, you know, what was your perspective at that moment? What were you thinking? Were you surprised that it was where it was? Did it feel like it was on time, behind schedule? You know, going back to that moment in time. Yeah, it's funny that you say that wasn't my first event. That actually was my first event that I've hosted live line. So um, I tried to make it as smooth as possible. I have lots of customer service experience, especially in the event planning and big events like concerts and, and things like that. So I kind of have all those logistics inherently, um, you know, just in my head. It's like, oh, we need to make sure we check on this and this. And so um, I kind of already knew most of that. So uh, that's why it seemed like it was not my first event. So I'm very familiar with that. But yeah, no, I think we were right on track and right on pace for um, what it was we you know when we first started we didn't know how many schools were interested in esports or how many that had love you know the 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 level that where they were able to put teams forth but I you know we love the game and so we wanted to promote um, League of Legends at the time and say that hey let's let's keep the few teams that we know have teams and let's put them together and try to create a league out of this and try to get them some more practice and you know our big thing was getting the teams to play together my initial idea for that tournament the whole tournament was to have them play all at one lane center every week come in at reserve times uh, i believe it was like sunday morning or saturday morning before the shop even opened so we would be out before they even got guests in and they gave us a great price on it but i just couldn't get enough teams to commit to the i think it might have been like two hundred dollars which included all the game time and all the prizes and everything would have been covered for that um and we just couldn't get schools to support it because they weren't ready to handle esports yet at that time and they had no budgets for it and even though it to two hundred dollars might not seem like a lot like for a coach to pay out of pocket at two hundred dollars that kind of is a lot um asking whereas a school 
schools weren't really didn't have that on their budget line so they weren't so we were kind of ahead of the game at that point thinking of it as a local esports event uh, but you know on the outside like it was really building it was really coming to a head where it, you know at any time it would pop and we did see that pop later on um then years after Okay, so Todd, you've founded the Illinois High School Esports Association, um, but let's like set the stage for everybody. How did this become a thing for you, and what um, you know? What's your background, and, and how did you get involved in esports at this level? Yeah, so I mean, I've been—I never really was an esports fan, like going back to when I was a kid. Like you know, there was some StarCraft stuff and some Halo stuff when I was younger, but I never really was into it that much until um, League of Legends really came out, and I saw like Worlds and saw some of that stuff, and I was like, oh, this is actually really cool, and I really like the game. So it kind of, you know, I was never good enough at the other games to really pay attention to the competitive scene with CS:GO and some of the you know the very you know original uh, tournaments. So that's I was like, oh, League of Legends, I'm decent at. I'm not great, but I really really like playing and I really like watching that was really like the twitch explosion as well so um, when I graduated from college and began teaching like I always wanted to have a gaming club because I'm like I would have loved to have a video game club or you know just a you know essentially a nerd culture club whether it be anime or comics or car collecting or magic whatever it was like we never really had that in my high school and I would have fit right in with those kids and I didn't you know find I didn't find that bunch of kids in high school until like senior year when I found that group of kids who plays games because it was a little taboo you you didn't tell people you played games because you got ostracized you know because you weren't an athlete or something like that so I mean it's gotten much better over time but I always wanted to have that inclusive space where it's hey come in and play games so when we started uh you know I started with just a casual um casual gaming club and, you know, we had League of Legends players. We had, you know, everything across the sun. Lots of console players coming in. Lots of Halo players. You know, we'd set up a whole lab and play original Halo 1 on PC because you can play it off of a flash drive. If, you know, if you were trying to get around IT, you literally can just plug in the flash drive and play it from that. Um, so, it was, you know, it was really fun to set up 30 computers and have the kids be like, oh, my God, it's so cool. We're playing games in school at that time. And this was, you know, like 10 years ago. So it was kind of a big deal um, at that point. And so, you know, with that evolution, you know, I ended up um, retiring the the gaming club when I was at the school and uh, I ended up coming back to that school and I was like, well, I don't want to take over the gaming club because I had passed the torch to someone else and I don't know where they went with it. So after I passed the torch, I was like, well, what else can I do? Well, I was like, well, I'm really into League of Legends right now. And I had just found out about a high school tournament um, just randomly online or some Facebook or, you know, social media post somewhere um, or just searching for League of Legends stuff. And I found um, uh, the high school online tournament. And I'm like, oh, this is so cool. You know, let me see if I can get a League of Legends team. So, you know, as I started talking, I was at the school substituting. So I kind of got to float around lots of classes, talk to lots of kids and kind of, you know, get their opinion, see if they would be able to do it. Well, word spread really quickly that we had a really big population of League of Legends players. Um, Ended up uh, going to the gaming club that was formerly mine the years prior and talking to one of the people who was there just watching Worlds. It happened to be like during Worlds time. And he just had it up on the thing. He was just sitting there watching it by himself on the computer uh talking to him didn't know really who he was like hey do you you play league you you know i was gonna start a team here little did i know he was like a challenger level jungler at the time um just sitting casually watching worlds in gaming club um and so he kind of you know helped us drum it up because once kids who play league found out that we had a challenger player like oh i'm gonna play league and i'm gonna play and we had our first meeting um ever for league of legends and we had just about 100 kids there i think it was like 97 kids show up when was this like give me the date and time when that happened like uh, you know like what year was that that would have been 
about seven years ago. Probably 2014. Yeah, 2014. Because that was before I started the season. That was like two years before I started the actual tournaments for us. So uh, this was like pinnacle, like League of Legends is the premier esport because nothing else was established um, at that point. Um, But yeah, so this is, you know, had our first meeting. We had tryouts where we had 40 kids sign up. We signed up, uh, I think, 15 kids for two teams, five on each team plus the substitutes to rotate around. And uh, we ended up finishing top eight in the state um, and or top top eight in the North America um, in the tournament. Had we won the last match that we played in, we would have gone to California because that was the last year uh, that this tournament flew people out to California for the finals. Uh, but we had just missed it. Uh, and then they didn't do it years prior after that. And we were also weren't as good to make it that far. So, okay, you're a teacher and uh, you're into League of Legends. Um, I'm sure a lot of our listeners know League and they they understand it. But for those that maybe are still having a hard time putting League or any sort of competitive game that you could play as an esport and school together, can you walk through why as a teacher that is a valuable and meaningful uh, learning opportunity for, for young people. Yeah. I think the biggest thing and just with esports, and, you know, for me it's cause league, cause I knew that game uh, more than any other, but just in general, like number one is uh, people that play video games are typically people who don't participate in any other activity because their activity is playing video games and they just don't do that at school. So a lot of kids who might be on the football team, might be on the soccer team or baseball, some of them play games, but none of them are, you know, not none of them, but most of them aren't big, huge gamers on the side because that their baseball is their thing. Once you get to high school, if you're still playing those sports, more than likely you're really into those sports than anything else. And so when I started my club, you know, asking and, you know, seeing it's like, I didn't have too many conflict with other after school activities because these kids would get out of school, go home and queue up for league or queue up for whatever game they were playing. And so Seeing that and being able to get those kids in and get them to be excited to participate in an after school activity. And then, you know, the greatest thing that happened, especially those first couple of years, was getting kids who sat next to each other for three or four years to talk about league, even though they've sat together for four years, never knew each other play league until we had this club. Like they made friends after the fact because they realized, hey, we both play league. That's so cool. Let's start talking about league and then making long lasting friendships. Like I still have. Uh, group one of my most cohesive teams that played like all four years together um, they're still friends and now we're like three years past graduation like they're literally were in each other's streams the other day and chatting and you know always messaging each other on, on discord and, and still you know hanging out together and i'm like that's exactly why you know i created the club and then secondly because these kids normally don't do after school activities they're not very well adjusted for after school activities. You know, they don't know how to take criticism. They don't know how to work together as a team. They don't know how to communicate. And through esports, that allows us to be able to take that time and be like, okay, this is how you take criticism. This is how you give feedback. This is how you take feedback on your own play. Like we don't just queue up for another game. Let's go watch the tape and see what happened and, and have them be reflective and then critically think about what they're doing. And, you know, the biggest question, it's like, oh, how do I coach this game? And it's like, you don't have to necessarily know the game to coach it. Just think of what, you know, think of questions that you would ask. Ask them, why did you do this here? Why did you say that here? Why didn't you say this here? What's going on in the situation? And just having the kids be cognizant about their play will just make them better and then also more invested in the actual activity. So seeing it from those perspectives, especially in the very beginning, that's kind of what I was striving for, to create that community, 
create that friendship and then create kids who really understood how to get better at games because before that they were just queuing up and just playing and they'd never even read like the tooltips and read the patch notes to find out actually what happens week to week especially league on that scheduled rotation every two weeks it could be a, a drastic change and if you weren't watching patch notes or seeing what was on the pbe like you were behind because you didn't know what was coming next and so you know getting them to to you know study all the champions and you know do item builds before they got into the game i mean back then there was no oh here this is the suggested build you just kind of clicked around and was like oh i think i need this item and you know if you didn't do the research you bought items that didn't matter you know so it's you know it kind of taught them a lot more about the game that they didn't really know or didn't really pay attention to because they were just having fun playing before so there is this really cool opportunity to reach kids in a way that you maybe couldn't you know or the way that it does for sports with a certain you know certain young person um so it sounds like it was pretty quick to ingratiate itself with 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 the players with the students student athletes is um is a you know kind of a, a funny phrase that's kind of going away but um what was it like for you to explain this to parents and administrators and let's start with the parents because i'm sure it didn't take long before all these things you were talking about learning how to take feedback learning how to work in a team learning how to like you know, think through a problem space as a group that had to be seen pretty quickly by, by parents at home. Yeah. Most of that, uh, because I didn't talk with a lot of the parents on a regular basis because this was still not considered like a real club or sport kind of thing. So we didn't really have to have constant communication with parents. Um, we, you know, the biggest thing was when we did our events or when we had special events at school and brought the kids in and then the parents, you know, would email me like, Hey, what's going on with this? Like we did a lot of charity work, um, raising money for different organizations as well as part of my, um, gaming club and esports club. So, you know, getting to see the parents like, Oh, okay. They're going to be at school. How's this going to work? And then, you know, having them come in and drop off stuff and drop off the kids and be able to talk to them uh, then was really awesome because they're like, oh, yeah, no, my student, like, he's completely changed from what he was before. Like, a lot of the kids on our teams, especially our league team, like, one of my captain, he was this kid in class. I would talk to his teachers like, yeah, he doesn't say anything. He does his work. He's a good student, but I've never heard him talk in my class in five months that I've had him so far. And he was the captain of our League of Legends team. He was leading students in our League of Legends team and telling them what they should be doing for strategy and organizing them together. And he was our jungler, so he's coordinating a lot of things as well. So, you know, I might not have seen it in the beginning with the parents and how they reacted, but I know I instilled that confidence in the kids to be able to kind of feel more comfortable to be able to share and be able to step up as leaders and communicators um, by being part of the team. Um, and recently we've had a lot more parents communicate like how uh, our students that are participating in esports are really becoming actual leaders and actually really stepping out of their shell uh, and running. Uh, you know, some of them are, are solely running clubs of over a hundred kids and putting together state championship teams because they're signing practices and getting the kids motivated and keeping them going. Um, even though the adult supervision in there isn't as hands-on as, you know, some schools would like. So parents are figuring it out. What about, administrators and you know that's a tough crowd i i used to cover high school sports i would talk to principals and other administrators and uh, you know they're pretty risk averse <laughs> you know they uh they they're they're they can be very budget oriented and it doesn't mean they don't care about kids that's not what i'm trying to say but 
it's a it's just a different crowd. They're not teachers, right? Like they're 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 bureaucrats for the most part. And now here you are coming with them saying, "Hey, I want to put these video games into the classroom and I want to let kids play them." What what was the initial reaction like? And then take us to today and what it's like now and, you know, why you think that's changed or beyond what we've already talked about, obviously. Yeah, I think uh, initially it was definitely a little bit of struggle to be like, hey, why do we need to have this? And why do we need to set up this thing for them? And why do we need to get a permission slip to go on a field trip to a land event? Because they didn't really see it as a sport at all. Like they didn't see us as competing. They thought we were just playing games and having fun because just people don't understand it and know it. So it really was a little tough with administrations. I mean, like, yeah, you need to support this and um, showing them numbers and showing them what our kids are doing and how they're performing really kind of got them and showing them how many kids were excited about their friends playing and, you know, setting up Twitch streams and showing them, Hey, we're being able to have people come watch us on Twitch and, and be able to this. And the kids are actually learning how to stream and things like that. They're like, they're learning skills that they can use later on. Um, it was a hard sell at first, but the kids, because they're so adamant about it and they really want to help, like they were very vocal about what they wanted to do and how they wanted to to do it. So that really helped because they really wanted to ha- see something and wanted to see something great. So at first it was, it was really hard. And I think some of the, the biggest times when we saw the biggest like jump in, in just opinion of esports was when we had the administration come out to the events. Um, I think it was the event that you were at. Um, if it was the one you were at or the one after the year after that, um, I said, I asked my principal to uh, come in and watch um, because we were playing and just to see what this is like. And so um, he came out and saw at Robert Morris, their setup that they had all these computers and all these kids were super excited to play and all the colleges were there to talk to the kids. And there was this big atmosphere about what, these games are and what they do for the kids like after he talked with the robert morris guys and the coaches and they explained like what this whole esports craze is that's coming up like he literally said you know turned to me before he left that day and said how much do you need to be able to put this in our school because in chicago it's really competitive um, with the schools if you go if you're in chicago now at this point you can sign up to go to any school you want so the schools that have more resources that kids are interested in you're going to get maybe more of the kids that you want to have there. So uh, it really helps, you know, if you're trying to build your CS or you're trying to build, you know, get those kids who are interested in esports to your school rather than having them go to a local school. Um, and by CS, you mean computer science, computer science. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. I'm, I'm so used to just saying CS. Yeah. <laughs> computer science. Um, this crowd might be thinking you're a uh, counter-strike, right? Um, that's true. That's true. So uh, that really dovetails into what was my next question, Todd, which is, are we seeing kids choose schools based on their esports teams? Because obviously we know this has been a long, long-term thing in sports. You know, the quarterback's going to go where the good football coach is or where the good football team is. And basketball, I mean, here in Southern California, when I used to cover high school sports, every year I had to write about how kids were getting illegally recruited to different schools, right? And maybe programs would be put on probation because... They talk to a kid when they weren't supposed to. Are we seeing any of that yet in esports? We're seeing a little bit of it. It's not as much um, from some of the really good programs that are really out there on socials, on on Twitch and on Twitter, and even you know some of them are on Snapchat and, and TikTok. Even we're seeing good like kids be like, "Hey, I want to go to this school. I want to get there. You know, I want to be able to do that in esports." So you know, there's a story of a school down south uh, in Springfield where the parents emailed uh, the coach and said, "Yeah, we're moving to Springfield so that." our kid can join 
your esports team because he really wants to do esports. And this was like an hour plus move that they were going to be doing um, in distance. And so they ended up moving to Springfield so that their kid could go there. I think he should be a freshman this year. Okay. It was in the middle of last year. So for you and me, this is like really obvious. We know this stuff. And I think most people in the gaming industry will know, but let's make it, let's make it crystal clear. There's a reason why parents will do this. And the reason is that there are a lot of college scholarships available for top talent in esports now. Um, you know, and I'm not paying as close attention to it as I was five, five years ago. Uh, but it was growing at an astronomic level. I, I remember we were at like about 10 and in a year it was already up to 50. And I think the last time I looked, we we're talking over 200 schools at the college level are offering some for- form of uh, scholarship to play on their esports team. Isn't that right? Yeah, I think it's it's pretty much almost every school is offering something if they're not one of the big schools a lot of the still real big schools don't offer scholarships they have teams um some of them might even have like actual coaches and actual you know organized varsity squads um but if you're not one of those big 10 schools or you know the the the, the really big giant football schools or basketball schools you're offering some kind of scholarship it might be small but you're offering something to have that esports team because it's encouraging kids to go to your college over something else and the really good ones are offering you know even more scholarship or you know as you see with schools like uh, Maryville and in Missouri that are essentially recruiting pro teams, even in Illinois, um, ISU literally has a, uh, semi pro overwatch team. That's all attending their college right now. Brand new team. They literally can compete with the pros. Um, and so it's kind of crazy to see this kind of balloon up and see what they're able to provide for students. And, you know, getting an education for a pro player for esports is gigantic because before you were, you know, at 15, 16, you go into the pro circuit, burn out in six, eight years if you lasted that long. And then then what do you have to do? Whereas now, if you're not that elite caliber where you would do that, you know, if you're not the fakers of the world, you know, the famous, you know, Korean um, League of Legends player, if you're not him, like, you can go to college and do decently. And we're seeing those college kids actually get drafted by the pro league of legends teams. And there's not a big system for that yet, but a lot of these teams, pro teams are realizing that the kids are going through collegiate are a lot better trained at dealing with what it means to be a pro esports athlete rather than I'm just really good at this game. Like teach me everything else that I need to know about pro, you know, pro pro esports. Okay. So as a person who worked in video video games and sports, one of the reasons why I got really involved in understanding high school and helping Riot understand high school was that I fundamentally understood that if what they wanted for League of Legends to happen, which was for it to be a multi-generational sport, like baseball or basketball, you you have to have a feeder pool. You have to have a, you know... um, Ilya, who was a guest and was the former head of community at Riot and works at Amazon now, he'd always talk about the competitive pyramid with, you know, your tier one at the top, but you need, you need tier two and tier three, you need grassroots. Um, and I mean, you look at football, basketball, baseball, it's like they're very clear um, programs starting at a very young age and moving all the way up. Um is that what we're seeing now with high schools and, and esports? Are we starting to see some more clear lines in terms of, okay, you started high school and then you can get recruited to college and then you can potentially go play pro or maybe is it more like tennis where maybe you play in high school and then you get recruited to play at pro and then what, what's it like today? 
Yeah, so I mean, at least I can speak for Illinois' stance. Is a lot of our players in Illinois do go straight to um, college. Uh, there isn't too many that go straight to pro, although we have a couple kids who've gotten recruited um, for Overwatch and a couple that have been scouted for league. Um, but none of them have actually really made that jump um, in that because a lot of times the schools that they may go to don't have a really competitive team overall. Like they might be challenger level league of legends player but they're surrounded by a bunch of silvers or you know even you know bronze or platinum so they really have a hard time showcasing their abilities because it's just a one-man team um and nowadays you kind of have to have a full set of team at least in illinois to really compete you can't just be carried by one person um that's how it usually typically is in in high school esports you can have one great person and win every match until maybe the, the last round of the playoffs in the championship and actually then have some real competition um, whereas now, you know, a lot of these kids that we're talking to that are almost, you know, pro level quality, they're like, well, yeah, I don't play for my high school team because I'm in pro-am already, or I'm already, you know, working, you know, in semi-pro or, you know, doing, uh, some of the amateur leagues, especially where league and overwatch. And, you know, there's a lot of cross where they are doing as well, because there aren't those rules like there are for football, as you know, where you can't play club and not, you have to play for school only. You can't play in the club or, you know, especially soccer is really bad with that in Chicago, where there's a lot of club teams that play on weekends that are good. Um, but you can't play for them while you're in season for your actual high school or with esports, you can play for as many teams. As long as you can juggle the balls, you can play for as many as you want at a time. And so a lot of kids are doing that too. All right. So we've talked a lot about league. You've mentioned overwatch. I guess one of the things that, um, I would love to get, you know, some clarity on from your perspective is, uh, what are the main games being played at the high school level right now? Is there like a small collection or is it just kind of league and overwatch and, you know, like, and then why do you think those games outside of league, why do you think some of those other games have, have gotten popular? Yeah, uh, we in our group in IHSCA, we have we offer six games. So we offer uh, league, Overwatch, uh, Rocket League, uh, Super Smash Brothers, Valorant and Fortnite. Um, those are kind of the six bigger ones. There are a couple other ones like we would love to do Apex. But they don't want to talk to us about Scholastic Apex. Um, we've I've mentioned to him, and he's like, yeah, we're not ready to drop down to high school yet. We're still trying to figure out about a college scene, possibly. And a lot of them aren't ready. They don't realize the potential because it hasn't been shown to them before of what they can do. So Apex is probably our like number one requested game. Uh, but it kind of does change as you know the, the breeze blows, so to speak. Um, but by far our most popular one, especially recently has been rocket league and smash brothers because it's so accessible. Kids are playing at a lot younger age. So they've been playing it. You know, I like my daughter plays rocket league from time to time. Just, you know, she sees me playing it and then I just hand her the controller and she starts, you know, playing it. So it's, you know, because they start playing those games at a lot younger age, those are the ones that are a lot bigger, especially smash is gigantic. And in Illinois, there's a pretty big uh, local smash scene, both North and South. So even in Southern Illinois, there's, there's a couple of, of big smash groups. And so um, I would say overall, um, unfortunately, the league has kind of dwindled, um, not only because of um, just popularity of league going down a little bit, but also because they aren't necessarily supporting the all the organizations that are doing that. And so there's, um, you know, it makes it a lot harder for us to put on a regular season for league and almost impossible for us to do league um, that way. But um, with all, all the other games, we're seeing growth in almost every game across the board um, of those six. And Valorant um, was probably pushed a little bit early for us compared to what other groups are doing uh, because one of our um, staff was a big Valorant guy. He was old CS and then jumped to Valorant and he supported it. And we have uh, had several tournaments now. I think we had 
30 teams in our um, first tournament series last year, which is pretty good for a high school Valorant um, first year. You talked a little bit about the organizational structure. Um, I want to figure out a way to ask a question here because it's, it's kind of complex, right? Like if you're somebody that's trying to understand high school esports, you're going to have stuff at so many different levels. You're going to have at the individual school level, you're going to have potentially at the city level or the district level, then you're going to have, you know, maybe a regional level, then a state level, and then you have potentially a national level. Walk me through some of this, like kind of explain the landscape as it is today. What are other organizations that matter? Um, what are some of the challenges that like the I, the the Illinois High School Esports Association has um, in their day-to-day operations? Yeah. So in general, like some of the big players, um, out there, um, besides obviously in Illinois, but, uh, all around, uh, I believe there's about 14 or 15 or even 16. I think we're up to 16 now, 16 different States that have grassroots organizations like mine that are run by teachers that are not for profit or, you know, uh, as close to not for profit as they can get, even having their, you know, we are 501 C three, um, organization. So we are, you know, officially nonprofit. And so a lot of these other groups are doing that because they're seeing the potential in it. And it's essentially, you know, pretty much all the Midwest. And then there's a couple, um, outlying outside the Midwest. And so those are, um, kind of like the biggest group I see pushing esports. There are a bunch of for-profit players in there, um, with play versus and also HSEL, um, slash generation esports. Um, they are probably the other biggest competitors to those. And so, um, you know, the reason why a lot of our organizations were created was because of what we saw with these bigger national organizations, because they don't care so much about the local scene. They don't care so much about what each state is doing and what each school needs to do. They're like, oh, here's our list. Make sure you check everything off so that you can compete. And then that's it. They're hands off. Whereas all of these organizations are help building the programs up from nothing and showing them what to do and, you know, spending extra hours in the evening to have meetings and do sessions to show how to install stuff on IT and better best practices for having practice and, and things like that. So that's kind of like the big thing that, that the grassroots organizations offer is that they're really looking out for the students at that bottom level. They're really trying to see exactly what their student body wants, see exactly what the team teachers and administration want and try to put co- put together some cohesive uh esports um tournaments um over the course of a year so um we were really excited um last year to work with nasef um, because they were a nonprofit. they were developing curriculum they were based in california they started as like the orange county league they were kind of one of the with me like we were created at the same time hi yeah <laughs> i i i worked on that deal with riot they they were the first officially licensed high school uh, org. I, that was one of the last things I did before I, I walked out the door at Riot. Yeah, I think I talked to you, which you connected me with them. Uh, and we had a meeting like when we were starting as well. It's like, how can we work together and do this? And it never happened then. But as they blew it up to national, probably because they were getting hit by a lot of people, you know, seeing what they did. Um, you know, we partnered with them last year, but then they were not they're no longer funded by uh, the grant funder who initially um, funded that. So now they ended up signing a partnership with HSEL. Uh, and Generation Esports. So uh, although we were really excited, they do offer a lot of great stuff at NASEF, which is awesome. Um, it's kind of disappointing that they uh, aligned with essentially a competitor to all of our you know grassroots organizations because we helped build them up um, to the size that they were. So now why, 
why is it competitive between what you're doing and what like the play versus and the HSELs are doing? I understand why the for profits are competitive because they're trying to pull teams into their leagues, but I, I don't necessarily. And again, like I'm not, I'm not as looped in as I was five years ago when play versus was literally, you know, one of the last phone calls I took, it was like, Literally, uh, talking with Delane, the CEO over there, was one of the last phone calls I took at Riot before I left. And, um, you know, so, uh, but I'm a little confused by that because I would imagine that they would want to work with you and have you use their platform. Yeah. I mean, that essentially is what I've tried to do with um, both groups and talking to them initially back when we first started. I talked to HSEL, talked to a lot of their big players and like, hey, I have this whole Illinois league. Like, how can we work together on this? Because I didn't necessarily want to run that whole business side at that time when we first started. Like, we wanted to help offer, you know, way to do it and this and that. But then, you know, they were like, oh, we really don't have a model for that. We're not really interested in looking at that. I was like, okay, well, you know, I'll move on. And then, you know, play versus they, you know, we were talking to them and they kind of wanted to work together, but they kind of wanted to take everything over. Uh, and when we saw like the pricing model and that was officially announced, we're like, we're glad we didn't partner with them because we offer ours essentially for free compared to what they were charging for theirs. And so, it, you know, we are in direct competition because number one, if a school sees an organization like Play Versus signed with NH, NFHS, which is the National Federation of High School Sports, they signed with them. So now when they go to a school, they can say, hey, we're aligned with this group. And so you should just have our, you know, you should just sign up for us if you're going to do esports. And so they have that power. And so if a school only has a limited budget, are they going to go over some teacher run organization that they've never heard of or a connection through another group? And so they end up siphoning off our, our, you know, our players because they said, well, we can't compete with you. Even the, the states that offer it for free. They're like, well, we, we just can't dedicate the time because they're on the same day or just the, the manpower to actually do it. Uh, on top of uh, the big controversy is the play versus exclusivity with Riot Games. Like that, number one, is the uh, what kind of makes us even more rivals because uh, that exclusivity locks a lot of our students out from participating in a regular season. Um, that event that you came to, they had played eight weeks of regular season. They had played... Uh, at least two matches uh, or one match of playoffs before they actually made it to that event. That's just not possible for a grassroots organization to do. And no school really wants to devote weekends to tournaments. They want regular set days. They don't want to have to try to cram everything in in two weeks, according to the community guidelines that um, are set forth um, by Riot. So uh, it makes it really difficult. And that's kind of why we see them as competitors, because they, they're they're trying to get more schools to make more profit. We're trying to get more schools to boost esports in the high school scene. And that also offer a bunch of other opportunities for students on top of that. So it sounds like this space is still um, as, uh, as nascent as ever. There's still a lot of different moving pieces, a lot of moving parts. Um, you know, what is your like kind of pitch to game developers and publishers, community managers, community leaders at the, at the, you know, at the video game level, like how should they be looking at the space and what, you know, keep in mind, obviously, again, we talked about the stratification and the challenges The you know, these companies can't necessarily, um, justify staffing up to build out a whole high school ecosystem, uh, on their own. Right. So, you know, what, what should they be thinking about if they want to get involved? Like, you know, when apex is like, we're not ready, but when they do say they're ready, what, what, what do you tell them? 
Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing is just have the open conversation. What are you looking for out of this relationship? Um, I mean, number one is just, hey, we're here. Like, please say hi to us because we try to reach out to developers, but we're all teachers. We don't have the interconnections that someone in the industry would have to be like, oh, I I know this guy. I worked with him seven years ago. I mean, like, Bob, with all of your connections, you know. Uh, we don't have that as teachers. We, we we can find other teachers and principals and administrators for you, but we can't find people in the games industry most of the time. Um, so just acknowledging that we're here and looking for us. Um, and if you need people, you know, definitely uh, we, we have connections to connect you with every other person that would, you know, be someone you want to talk to. But on top of that is just what are you trying to get out of this and what don't you want out of this? What are you looking that you don't want to see happen in this industry? Because there was a couple of big blow ups with esports in the past year um, with what schools were, you know, what schools are allowed to play what game with a certain platform. They announced everyone could play this game and states were like we didn't sign up to play that game we only signed up to play this game and we don't want our schools playing this game and so if there's something that you know that developers would want just let us know or that they don't want the big thing is is just just let us play and tell us what we can and cannot do like if there's something that you don't want like um as the community guidelines for fortnite uh, fortnite doesn't want to have any land tournaments for any official things unless it's run by fortnite so they can't you're not supposed to be able to hold a land tournament for Fortnite um, due to their community guidelines and that's fine that's great you know normally we do lands for our playoffs they want that in there we will not have a land for their playoffs it's just let us know what you want what you want to get out of it and then what you don't want to see don't write community guidelines for organizations especially scholastic high school organizations that limit them on being able to participate in a normal way um, if you want us to clear rules by you, that's an extra step. That takes a lot more. I mean, Blizzard has community guidelines for tournaments. You have to sign their community agreement for that. And, you know, most of the other places don't really have that. Like Blizzard had that and they've had that for years now where essentially you fill out a form. If anything gets flagged or you want a custom um, license, you have to talk to them. But other organizations don't really have that. Um, and so, you know, just have a set of guidelines of what we need to follow so that we can still bring kids to your game and have them enjoy playing it rather than being miserable because they're forced to play a season a certain way just because you wrote something in the community guidelines that was to you know stop something or predatory um you know monday laundering type thing where you know you're collecting tournament fees but not prizing out anything um you know most of our organizations are non-profit we literally operate on zero dollars um if you know some of us do charge a, like a registration fee or a, a tournament fee that goes to provide for an event or you know pride trophies or our web hosting or you know legal fees that we need to do so um, we operate on very slim budgets most of us you know aren't trying to get rich here we're just trying to provide and be able to put on cool stuff for kids i want to go back to something you brought up and that was about some of the games being played and how some states sign up for some games, some sites don't sign up for others. Um, I remember when I was at Riot, we would talk about shooters in the high school. And we, I said it, I would never think it would, I'd never thought it would happen. Um, now, admittedly, I don't hear Call of Duty. I don't hear Counter-Strike, right? I, I hear Valorant. I hear Overwatch. I hear Fortnite. Um, what is that like talking that through with adults, um, that maybe just aren't as in tune with video games and the culture? Um, I mean, cause I, I, I said, I didn't think I would ever see it because I'm somebody that like distinctly remembers sitting on my couch, my senior year of college, watching the tragedy at Columbine high school. And I remember that feeling of like sheer fear for those those children those parents um not really understanding how that 
could happen in a place like, you know, a suburb of Colorado um, or anywhere in America for that matter. And so um, I was firmly like, no, but then over time, I think by the time, even before I left right, I go, you know, I think I'm wrong about this. I, I think it will happen. What's that like? And, you know, how, how, how hard is it sometimes to walk through uh, a decision-making process behind what sort of games get the yay or the nay? Yeah, I mean, the, the number one choice in what games get is if it's rated M for mature, it's already off, off the book. So it has to be rated T. So um, that's number one, because we do have 13-year-olds, and some of our high schools are actually combo junior high and high school. So if those kids are participating in the club, you might have someone that's 10 years old. You really don't want to have to try and get a waiver for a 10 year old to be watching something that she should be 18 technically for. So right off the bat, we already like Nick's any game that's mature. And that's why we don't see call of duty. That's why we don't do CSGO. Um, those are probably like two very requested ones that we're kind of firm and saying, no, um, you know, it also depends on the community as well. Like call of duty community is not very seen in the good light. And you know, if you're not familiar with it, it's, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty bad when you watch some of those tournament clips and, and watch some of those events of, of the trash talking and things going. So again, that's not a real good, you know, if someone goes, looks up a call of duty tournament, they're going to see stuff like that. Not kind of what we're trying to promote in the scholar, the scholastic, you know, realm. So that's number one. Um, secondly, it really, the shooters really take some giving and we, we allow schools to participate in whatever games they want, whatever they're allowed to. We have a lot of schools that just cannot play shooters. They talked to the district district said no, or, you know, their school said no. So they're just not able to play shooters period. And that's fine. We, we, we don't penalize them for that in any way. It's unfortunate because a lot of kids are interested in it and that play them, but um, you know, we really leave it up to the schools to make that decision for themselves because every school is different. And we understand that because we know, you know, especially from Chicago to Southern Illinois, there's extreme differences in, in the just the, the way people live, uh, you know, especially in rural farm town, you know, where guns are OK, might be OK for them to play that or in some other places. It's not. So um, it is usually a struggle. We do have um, problems. Probably Valorant's the one that's talking po- point the most because it's very similar to CSGO. Um, some of the settings in Valorant help us with that. We're turning off blood, turning off bodies. So there's no bodies. It's just a little icon, um, you know, to keep it just like the professional scene. Cause that's what they do there as well. Um, that helps a little bit when they're questioning like certain things in the games. Um, but you know, it is a struggle even just to get league of legends. If you look at the, the rating for league of legends, it is teen, but they talk about Gragas, who's a champion who's not normally played, but he drinks a lot of beer and belches and, and, you know, talks, I think one other, um, they talk about something about their being seductive and this and that and it's like they, they get worse on tv watching you know regular ncis or <laughs> you know whatever fbi most wanted than they do in something like league of legends but um you know they see that rating and they question it and you know we go through explanations and we have we talk to boards and we have students talk to boards and coaches put on presentations about why certain games should be played and you know a lot of it's about it's not about we always tell them it's not about the shooting it's about the teamwork the communication it really helps especially with the skill based um not the skill based but the character based um shooters because like well they're they're playing a character they have abilities and they can do these different things that they have to coordinate and work together for in fortnite you have to build you have to know how to do this other stuff in order to really compete at the highest level you're not just killing to kill but fortnite is probably the only game that we have that really is just kill to kill there's not really another side objective you, you know be the last one surviving so you have to at least kill one person to win um, but you know, the other games, Overwatch is really team based. There's objectives that you need to put pressure on and possibly kill to win, but that's not what necessarily the game is about. It's about the teamwork and coordination and, and stressing. It's, it's really about 
you know, growing the students, playing those games rather than just shooting someone. Okay, so we talked a little bit about the the past of the high school esports scene. We've talked a little bit about the present. What does the future look like? And what impact do you think that's going to have on the gaming industry? I mean, that's the craziest thing to think about is that we have no idea what the future is going to hold. I mean, there was, you know, talks of there's talks of games coming out like Halo. What is the Halo scene going to look like for esports? Are we going to get into Halo Scholastic? Is Microsoft even talking to anyone at this point uh, about what they want to do with that Uh, and trying to figure out how this never this will change a lot of organizations like mine are getting stem grants and steam grants to be able to put on other things and show kids how to stream and how to do graphic design and how to code and do a pull api from different from all these different games that allow api to be pulled and that's kind of it's it's still up in the air of what this can turn into the potential is limitless this can become the cycle for what um what the future holds. There's so many tech jobs out there that are open and available that students would love to do right now. And some of them have the skills to literally graduate from high school and go be a graphic designer, designing stuff for, you know, the the top level, you know, streamers and YouTubers and making editing video and things like that. But a lot of them just don't know it. So it's kind of trying to put everything together to figure out where we go. It's just going to grow exponentially. It's because what all the kids are doing, these kids are going to get older. These kids are going to have kids. You know, we're seeing a lot of our kids play with their parents and their parents are help coaching them. And, and, in, you know, some firmer fashion, like my kids will grow up always playing games because I always play games. And so we're seeing it, the generation shift where more people are going to be playing games and people are going more to watching Twitch, more to watching streams rather than watching, sitting down and watching family TV. You know, that's not the thing anymore. My daughters love watching. Um, when we watch co-carnage, we'll throw them up on the morning while we're eating our breakfast and, you know, they all know him and, uh, you know, they all know what's going on with him. Cause you know, we watch him. It's just kind of fun to watch, um, everyone that's younger grow up with gaming being so accepted um, compared to when I was younger. And it was really, you know, you played by yourself in your room because your parents didn't want to see you. Uh, and that still happens a lot today, but there's a lot more inclusive in, in the family environment now. Okay. So um, this has been awesome. And uh, we've been going at it pretty hard for a little bit. So I'm going to kind of take us to the sort of the end of the, of the, of the program, but we always like to ask a few same questions to everybody. Um, I've been waiting since week one to answer these questions. I already have most of my answers planned out in my head. All right. That's very (laughs) cool. So um, I think the first one is kind of like, it could be a tricky one, but it's, you know, what, what's the most positive moment the community has kind of bestowed on you since you've been, you know, getting involved with video games and esports, and, and, and then of the flip side, what's the hardest? Yeah, I think, Right now is probably the most positive, like having people reach out to me from across the state and having people reach out to me from other states. And, you know, I was in talk with Indiana and Wisconsin and developing their scholastic esports leagues and helping them like them asking me questions and just creating a community of of leaders and having them reach out to me for feedback and me reach out to them for advice. I think right now is like the most positive you know, a feeling I have about esports has kind of got me through some tough times in you know the past couple of years of my life where I've been dealing with so much, but I've been also so hyper focused on esports that I've you know kind of been able to get through a lot of that stuff. Because if I didn't have esports or something else, I could see myself being extremely depressed with my life and where it was in the past couple of years. So I think you know right now and having this community of online you know esports groups, uh, being able to talk to kids and also see what the kids are doing and seeing how the parents are reacting and how the administrations are reacting and how they're supporting it where they're putting our state championship as making banners to put up next to their football championships and nothing like that like that's that's what i'm living for right now that's that's the greatest thing um overall and 
as for darkest, I mean, it's probably, I don't know. It's that, that's probably the toughest one. It's like what, like the, the worst moment in for me that deals with gaming is probably lo and behold, it probably was when, um, Riot signed that exclusivity with play versus it's really like bugged me and a bunch of other hardcore league players, um, because of they've done that and kind of locked us out from playing, um, you know, our, the, our favorite game with our kids and being able to help coach them on a weekly basis and watch them grow over the course of a season. Um, it's really been tough to, to do that. Like to the fact that I haven't uh, been playing league much lately and I've been playing since beta. I've, you know, I started in the beta, um, you know, 10 and a half years ago or 11 years ago now. And, uh, you know, it still was still is my favorite game. I just don't choose to play it as much as I've done before. But now with world starting, I'll probably pick up a game that, that always gets me hooked back in whenever that starts. That's the magic of worlds, right? Um, that was really cool. And that thought of having a banner in a high school gym, it, that means something. You know, that brings people back 20 years later. I mean... That made me think of, um, I don't know if you watched, it was phenomenal, Mayor of Easttown. But that was kind of part of the start of the show was she was on this state championship basketball team and they were going back to honor the team. And, you know, like whether it's basketball or esports or whatever, like that's special. So that's really cool. Okay, next question. This is kind of like my favorite one to ask because it's something I think about all the time. And that is I used to be a journalist. And I always go, man, if I'd known then what I know now, I would have been able to ask better questions, tell better stories. Like, you know, that's just like, that's experience. It's wisdom, right? Um, what do you wish you knew um, back then when you first started working with esports that you know now? The number one thing and the number one suggestion I have for every student out there is just to go and do it. If you want to do something, don't wait for college. Don't wait for someone to, to teach you how to do it. Nowadays, there's so many different ways for you to do something. There's so many online resources and some of them might be bad and some are horrible, but you won't really know until you actually step out there and do it. And there's so much that I've learned from creating this nonprofit, going from just a teacher running an organized you know, league, kind of like a pickup basketball game league that we're running, but actually turning it into a full-fledged like nonprofit and learning all of the business side. And, you know, right now I'm trying to step into marketing and try to figure out how to do that and, you know, work within, you know, uh, you know, some of the insights and figuring out how we can get more traction and things like that. Like, don't wait, just, just start it now. If you want to do something in your life, like there's no reason why you need to go to college to do that. Start now. You can still go to college. It's always going to be there, but start working on what you want to do now. Cause you might start doing it and realize, yeah, this really isn't for me. I let me sw- swap gears and it's better to make those bad decisions and learn now. Cause it'll make you better later on and make you more happy later on because you've actually gone through some of those hard parts that you might've waited until you were 25 to do. Cause you wanted to graduate and cause everyone tells you, you got to go to college. So you know, if you want to be graphic designer, if you want to be a shoutcaster, just get out there and start doing it. Find a place to do it. You know, record for your friends, you know, do whatever um, just to kind of get you that experience. Don't wait because, you know, I waited so long to make this, you know, organization official. I waited so long to get into esports because I thought it was just the place that I I wouldn't actually ever think I would be. And so I was like, oh, I can't do that because I'm not a game developer. I'm not in the tech industry. I'm a history teacher at the time um, I was. And so I really... uh you know, just, just go out there and do it. Like, that's the one thing I wish I would have been able to tell myself, like, don't wait, just go. That's great advice. Um, okay. A couple of more fun ones. Uh, which way should I go? All right. Let's start with this one. Uh, what is a fascinating community that you're not working with or on that's drawing your attention? 
mine is probably um, the biggest community that I wish I would have gotten into before. And it kind of goes right along with what you were saying. I'm glad you went with that question. Cause for me, it's just the, the coding community and the people that are creating really cool, small programs that you really don't need to know too much coding to do, but you need to start somewhere. And so, um, you know, I've been, I'm going to get my, uh, teaching certificate to teach computer science officially in the state right now. I'm teaching computer science, but, uh, it's like a very basic class and you know, you don't really need too much tech computer science and technology to do it, but I want to go full fledged and do it. So community, you know, watching modding communities, you know, talked about it before, not necessarily for game design, but just looking at code. Like I've been watching a lot of coding streams and just some of the people are really good at talking through what their decisions are and, and what they're doing. I think that I really wish I would have been able to get into a community like that a long time ago. Cause I would have just started coding when I was in high school by myself. Had I known I would learn more by just coding rather than waiting to go to college or waiting until I had time to do it. And now that I'm actually learning, you know, I'm learning Java right now and I'm like, yeah, this is so awesome to be learning this. And I wish I would have just done this earlier. Cause it's not that bad to try and do it. That's, so. that's awesome. Yeah. Um, and of course, what games are you playing right now? Uh, right now, well, uh, Diablo 2 just came out, Resurrected. Um, that's a game I probably put like 3,000 hours into. Um, uh, my dad passed away this year, and we had uh, he was a really big player in that. He probably had, I think when I looked at his account last, he had like 3,500 hours in Diablo 3. Wow. Um, and so he was a massive player with that. But we used to set when I was younger, we used to set up little land parties where me and my two stepbrothers and my dad would be playing on four separate computers in four different rooms with the Ethernet cables running across, you know, the whole house just to play together and play Diablo 2, which was really awesome at the time. So I'm excited for I played maybe like an hour or two of that last night, barely got into it. But I'm super excited to play that um, coming up. Uh, and then besides that, um, I haven't been playing League, like I said, um, which is kind of crazy because I have, you know, put hundreds and thousands of hours into League over the course of the the 10 years. Um, But the game I've been playing this summer, I kind of took a step back and I found um, Final Fantasy XI private servers. Uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Final Fantasy XI. It's the original MMO. Uh, It was made to essentially be hard the hardest mmo because you had to play with a group of people you couldn't solo there was no go out and get this objective or go out and get this quest no you needed you know to have a full party of six and working in smooth rotations and so uh, they changed the game after that point but the private servers are locked about 10 years ago ish um, to when this game was really hard to do by yourself and so it was really awesome to jump in there and it's actually more of a small community uh, of people because you know active player base is like 700 during peak time so you kind of get to know all these people and you know watching the streams and be able to be like oh hey, I know that guy I just partied with him before and actually seeing them and you know they get to know you and you know just being part of this community has been really great this summer because I kind of like dove hard in you know I I played probably I didn't even do my playtime I should have done it before so I can see but I probably played you know probably something like 70 80 hours this summer and I'm not even anywhere near max level yet not even close Uh, to being like, I'm still hitting the hardcore grind of it. And so it's just getting into that, something that's really meaty, something that's really hard. Like I haven't played MMO in years. Um, That's been really fun to get into. Shay, what are you playing? My list is long right now. I have some free time. So uh, (laughs) I got the Legends games, League of Legends and Apex, which I've been playing on too much of recently. Uh, But I also got the PS5, which I mentioned. So I've been playing next-gen Madden, next-gen 2K every night on repeat until I can't play it anymore uh and then i just started playing yesterday pokemon unite on mobile 
which is pretty fun. I've been enjoying the heck out of that so far. So I got a lot that I'm switching between. <laughs> I, I have Unite installed, but I have not turned it on. Um, I, I am bad right now. I'm not playing a lot. I'm playing a lot of Clash Royale <laughs> and um, uh, it's football season. So I'm watching a lot of football. I, I want to get back into the Ascent. Um, I, ha- I installed that and played about an hour and, and thought it was pretty good. Um, what else am I playing? Um, you know, I'm probably going to play the closed beta for uh, a game I'm working on called Lost Eidolons, which is a single player turn-based RPG, which is admittedly like n- not my sweet spot, but um, it's got some really cool stuff. And I want to check out how the game's coming along since they did a, a demo. So I guess that's a little bit of a plug for a client, but um, yeah, it's weird. It's a weird time. I I'm not playing a ton, so a lot of Clash Royale. When I when I'm when I'm like in need of a this is a quick fix, I can go and play two or three games and kick some people's butt. <laughs> yeah, Unite could be the game for you because that's ten minutes oh. in a game and you're done like that. It's so nice to pick them up. Play. I haven't played it too much. I played games here and there, and I'm like, this definitely gets my MOBA fix when I need it. And you know, I don't want to play grind in a game of league for 45 minutes or you know, queue up for rank and get smashed because someone you know AFK or whatever. I'll definitely be hitting up Unite because now that it's cross platform, what I can do is I can play with my kids. Whereas before, when it was just on Switch, I had to take the device from my kids. And that's just, that's not fun for any of us. Yeah, but you didn't buy your kids a Switch? That's what I, my kid has a Switch. Well, on, okay. Bob. So, so Todd, um, the the boy got a Switch for his birthday. He has a Switch, the Switch Lite. The family Switch, my 10-year-old uses. And so what I, what I have done is I bought her a Pro Controller. And then I have a set of Joy-Cons that I don't let anybody else touch because they drifted the heck out of um, our originals. So I'm just like, nope. Yeah, I'm not playing with those anymore. These go in my in my room. Um, so I do need to play Unite because it's pretty great. Um, I guess that's also a plug since I work with the team, you guys, as well. But um, it's it's it's... It's a really cool game, and um, you know I'm not a Pokemon fan, but my kids are, so I know I'll play with them, and, and then we'll have a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. My my shooter game now of choice, Shay, you'll be happy, is Apex. Like that's what I we yes. during pandemic, I got a bunch of my buddies into it. We were playing weekly, you know, just because like, hey, Tuesday nights, let's just get on and play like it's old times, and you know, kind of hang out and talk and play Apex because uh, it's just so much fun. Like to play that game. Like I played a little bit of Fortnite, I played a couple other battle royales, but Apex because it's so fast and because of just the the skill involved in some of that, I really like the movement in Apex probably the most out of anything because there's so much you can do. All right. Well, Todd, this has been awesome. It's so great to catch up. I'm glad to hear that things are going well uh, with the, the association in Illinois uh, at the high school level. And, you know, look forward to seeing this space continue to grow and evolve over time. Um, you know, if you if you don't realize this, you know, folks like me who work in the gaming industry, um that that know know that this is not possible without people like you doing it at the grassroots level so it's been awesome to have you on the community feedback loop yeah thank you very much i really take that to heart i mean that's kind of you know why we do this and we want to help everyone out and so i appreciate you uh having me come on that's all for our show today thank you so much for listening to the community feedback loop podcast you can listen to previous episodes for more conversations with other amazing people we've met in the video games industry. And please subscribe to Apple Podcasts or follow us on Spotify to support the show. We'll catch you next week.